Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one-and-a-half-cubic-foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Welcome to the Off the Glass podcast, bringing a fresh, intelligent, thought-provoking perspective to the game of basketball. I'm your host, Z. Thanks for joining me today. Fan of no team, but a lover of basketball. And on today's show, we're going to do pretty much everything, all 76ers. We got to talk about the the addition of Jimmy Butler as he makes his debut with the team tomorrow night. We're going to dig into this Markel Fultz saga. And then I'm also going to close out by offering some thoughts on the situation going on right now with the Golden State Warriors. And that's, of course, between the heated exchange that happened between Kevin Durant and Draymond Green last night. But let's jump right into this Philly situation. So it went viral last night. For those who haven't seen, I suggest you head over to Twitter, Google, whatever you want to do and type in the Markel Fultz missed free throw against the Miami Heat last night where he appears to do the Charles Barkley hesitation golf swing from the free throw line with his jump shot. And it got me to thinking, man, and I've been talking about this on Twitter. A lot of people have been offering their thoughts. We've never seen anything like this Markel Fultz situation. Regardless of him being the number one pick or the number eighth pick, the fact that this guy has forgotten how to play basketball in a span of two years is something incredible, something that we've never, never seen before. So I had to go back. I wanted to look at the whole timeline. You know, how do we get to where we are with Markel Fultz? What's going on with this guy? And um, one of the first things I did pull up on this article, um, and I'm going to go pull up the article while I talk real quick. Um, I looked at some of the timeline. It was some great reporting. I even looked up the shoulder injury that he was diagnosed with. I want to give the – it was on SB Nation. It was written by Matt Ellentuck for SB Nation. Very good um, articles entitled Markel's Fultz Broken Jump Shot and explained by everyone who has tried to explain it. So he gives you the whole outline of what took place with Markel Fultz. But within the piece, um, I saw this was written. I thought this was interesting because we're only three years removed from this. December 8th, 2015, Fultz went from JV to a high school superstar. June 27, 2016, NBA scouts were going crazy as he dominated the under-18 FIBA Americas tournament. January 4th, 2017, Markel Fultz mastered the art of the chase down block, so now they're looking at him as a defender as well. June 21st, 2017, Markel Fultz proved that you can be the number one pick and don't have to win big time in college because he went to Washington University where they didn't even make the NCAA tournament. And then on June 22nd, that quick 2017, they said Fultz completes the 76ers' new big three. So it was celebrated. 
Everybody felt like the process has now paid off as they ultimately landed in Bede, Simmons, and now Fultz. So where did we get to this point now where we have him shooting a hunch, a hitch, excuse me, jump shot, uh, free throw last night? So I had to point this out um, so we know he wasn't a great shooter coming in in the first place. He shot 65% from the free throw line in college, 47% from the field, 41% from three. But his form didn't look broken. It just looked like, you know, as a young player that he's going to have to continue to improve his jump shot. It wasn't like he couldn't make shots. He had every type of makeable shot in the arsenal. He could catch and shoot. He could shoot off the bounce. He had the step back game. He had all those things. But something went awry, awry uh, last year. If we start looking at the timetable, started last September where Brett Brown came out and said, you know, his new um, struggles is because Fultz himself decided to change his shot. And Fultz even came out and, and was quoted as saying that he admitted that he tried to change his form. Now, this is where it gets real interesting and kind of screwy and kind of all over the place. His then trainer at the time, Keith Williams, claims that he didn't change his shot. He went on the, the radio and said he didn't change his shot, contradicting everything that um, Fultz had said. So just trying to figure out what was going on. It was interesting as his shot looked to be off. His game was struggling. His confidence didn't look to be there. So October 24th, Wolves of ESPN, Adrian Wojnarowski, as he always does, broke a story, story reporting that his agent said that he was actually playing through a serious injury, which kind of would make sense because people were just trying to figure out his shot looks off. The ball placement was weird. He was shooting it for like a push shot out of his chest. So obviously he it's not just that he was changing his shot. He has to be going through something to have this kind of significant change in his form of, of shooting. So it goes on to say that the, the 76ers said that he would be out, that he was suffering from something called scapular diakinesis or muscle imbalance of the shoulder. I had to go and look this up because I was diagnosed myself with something similar to this. I think I probably had this at the time. I was diagnosed with something called bicep tendonitis. Those who never really paid attention, your bicep connects down by the forearm, obviously in the elbow, but the muscles connect all the way up to your shoulder. And this was the type of injury that usually a pitcher would get or somebody that's throwing a lot. Um, and it's interesting because I, as I read through this, I couldn't help but put myself in full shoes. And not making this about myself, but I did have this experience, so I thought, you know, me giving my perspective might add to some understanding of the situation. I literally was playing professionally in Canada for a team in Halifax, and we had a coach that was really big on player de development and player improvement. And I've always kind of had a, a funky shot my whole life. I'm naturally a right-handed person, but there's a lot of things I do left-handed, so some people might say I'm ambidextrous. One of the things I do left-handed is I play basketball left-handed, but I had a tendency to bring the ball from my right side to, to my left side. So those who know me, kind of an awkward form, but it worked. Well, when I got to this coach, he was trying to help me with my shot. And as I got older and got stronger, obviously the ball got above my head more, but I still kind of had that release where it kind of starts on my right and comes across my left. So we were shooting all these shots, all these shots. And I remember after practice, my shoulder was kind of sore put some ice on it, didn't think nothing of it. So I woke up the next morning, literally, my shoulder felt dead. Like it was hanging down. And it was like I couldn't shoot. 
I couldn't do anything. Like, I couldn't lift my hand, hand above my arm. I literally could not shoot. It scared the mess out of me. I did not know what was going on. Um, went to the trainer. Literally could not shoot. So, I'll, you know, to tie it back into the false situation, when I started looking it up, some of the uh, the definition of this, and this is coming from the Nationwide Children's Center, so I went to a, a medical website. It says scapular rotation or the shoulder blade also serves as a stable base for rotator cuff activation and functioning. Any bony or soft tissue injury around the shoulder can alter roles of the scapula in motion or in rest. Scapular diakinesis, which may also be referred to as a sick scapular syndrome, is an alteration or deviation in normal resting or active position of the sculptor, uh, scapula excuse me, during shoulder movement. For most people, the scapula scapula excuse me scapula moves in abnormal ways due to re repetitive use of the shoulder. So we think about it when we raising our hand, moving our arm a certain way, reaching for something. You know, our shoulder goes in all kinds of direction. They said these changes, though sometimes asystematic, can increase the chances of injury. So some of the signs and symptoms: pain and tenderness, tenderness around the scapula. Um, from overuse of carrying ever heavy objects above the head. You might even get a snapping or a popping sensation. Loss of strength or, sh or shoulder and arm use. Um, winging of the scapula. Instability of the shoulder. All these kind of things. Causes muscle weakness or imbalance. Poor overhead mechanics, which, I mean, sounds like shooting a jump shot to me. Overuse repetitive motions motions such as throwing or serving so they're relating this to tennis or throwing a ball or sports as it says involving overhead activity so had to throw on my medical white jacket real my uh, lab coat to kind of be thorough here but this is exactly what uh folks was dealing with and it's interesting because I knew something was off and you know he had an interview with Karan Butler when he kind of said that basically he had to kind of relearn how to shoot. And he even said play basketball, which I thought was interesting because your shot was affected, not your game. One thing about myself, and this is a quick tip to uh, you young players or parents who have young players, make sure that your son or daughter is a complete player because I should have got released from that Canadian team. But because of my leadership, my ball handling skills, and the fact that I was the best guard defender on the team, especially on the ball, I was able to keep my job. So let that be a lesson too. But folks, the way that they diagnosed this injury, it was weird because they said he had, his agent came out and said that he had um, fluid drained from the shoulder. Then they came out and said, no, he actually had a cortisone shot. So they kind of, the Sixers botched this whole thing. Now I'm not going to get into the medical side because I don't know how he was treated. He might have been treated all the way and now he was healthy, but I don't know what do they do as far as dealing with dealing with the game. Because obviously when you watch him play, it's one thing to have an injury. But sometimes what gets lost and the fan doesn't understand this unless you've had a major injury. Even when Derrick Rose, I hate to reference him, but he's been in the news. When he had the knee injury, everybody's like, well, he's healthy. He should come back. People don't understand the mental damage or the mental things you have to hurdles you have to get through I should say after you suffer a major injury yeah physically you may be healthy but if the mind is not clicking and if your mind is not on the same page you will struggle athletically and that's obvious what's going on with folks it's not so much 
the the basketball part is the fact that he looks broken mentally, which is very dangerous and scary. And I don't understand why we had this mentality in basketball, the NBA, where he's the number one pick, he has to play and figure it out. If he goes down to the G League, it'll be seen as a demotion or he can't play or something's wrong. They do this kind of stuff in the major leagues all the time, whether it's a pitcher, a hitter. If you're a young prospect, they want to protect the prospect. They want to protect the investment. They send them down to the minors so they can work out whatever they have going on so when they come back up to the major leagues, they're ready to contribute. It's obvious that Fultz is not ready to contribute right now. Something's going on within his head and his shot. I don't know if he still is hurt. Now, speaking on that front, Drew Hanlon came out on November 1st in defense of him when he got into it with some Philly fans on Twitter. Like, basically, you guys need to be quiet. You don't know the situation. He's still injured. He's working through an injury. Fultz comes out the next day, him and, and Brett Brown, and says he's healthy. That's nothing wrong with him. But I thought it was interesting what they were uses. They preference by saying that nobody's fully healthy. You know, they try to just bump it off or write it off as him just having – general bumps and bruises going through the season, which is true. You play 82 games, traveling, back-to-backs, et cetera, et cetera. You will have some nicks and pains and some minor things that you have to play through. But they also said he's fully healthy enough to do what he's doing. So they're saying that he might be hurt, but he's not hurt enough where he shouldn't, that he's healthy enough to play basketball. Interesting word usage. Bottom line, the 76ers have botched this whole situation with Fultz. And Fultz has something to do with this as well. I can only go off what he said. He said that he decided to go off and change his shot, which is his prerogative. Yes, he might be a young man, but he is a man. He's making millions of dollars. We have to treat him like a man. If he chose to go in and, and change his shot without seeking out the advice of, you know, the 76ers or trusted coaches, then that's on him. But I will say this to be fair. If he decided to tweak his shot because maybe he was dealing with some shoulder cert uh, issues. That's another thing. But I will also say this. If he chose to tweak his shot and in the process of him tweaking his shot, it caused the soldier injury. Because remember, when I started doing this rant, I stated by saying I experienced what folks went through. And I only went through that injury when that coach decided to help me with my form and change my shot. In retrospect, I should have left it alone. I shouldn't have done anything. I probably wouldn't have been hurt and I would have been much better that season. But if that's what occurred, then he's as much to blame as the 76ers. Now, to salvage this situation, he needs a sports psychiatrist, somebody he need can talk to, somebody he can trust to try to get his hair right. Because at this point, if his hair's not right, doesn't matter how much the injury or is rehabbed or if it's not an injury, if his hair's not right, he's not going to play well. Also, you just acquired Jimmy Butler. I will go ahead and send Fultz to the G League. Let him get some confidence. Let him get out of the limelight. Let him get down there and get some good reps. Let's use the G League for what it should be, and that's developing players, not just players who didn't get drafted, not just players on two-way contracts, but developing players. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Let's use it for what it should be meant for, and that is to develop players. So, man, great article. I suggest you guys go check it out. It's the whole timeline. I had to dig into this myself, and then it got me to thinking about my own personal situation. I'm rooting for Markel Fultz, man. I posted it on Twitter. Other people have done it. Take the time out and go on YouTube and look at how he played at Washington. This situation is deeper than just a jump shot. 
The guy was the number one pick for a reason. He was a top prospect for a reason. The kid could flat out play. The young man could play. And whatever has transpired since he's had this injury, we're looking at a young man. We're looking at a player that's broken. So going forward, not even someone's protecting the investment. If the 76ers really do care for Markel Fultz, like they say, they need to go ahead and get this man some help. Let's rebuild this player. Let's build this player. That's what coaching is really about, being able to empower and build programs. I mean, and build players, excuse me. And that's the kind of culture they claim to have in Philly. And I'm not saying they don't because Brett Brown comes from the Popovich tree. Brett Brown has a good culture there, I believe, there. But something is going on. Something went awry with the Fultz situation. So not going to be the dead horse with the Fultz thing, but did kind of want to weigh in on that. As far as Butler joining the Sixers, he will make his debut tomorrow night. The Sixers are currently 9-6. and six. They're third in the East. They have an offensive rating on 20, so they've been struggling offensively. But their defense has kind of been getting back the last few days, the last few games, excuse me, where it was last year. They're currently ninth in defensive rating. I went on and looked at some of the lineups to see, and contrary to what people have been saying, they're actually their top three lineups – have all net positives. Now, of course, the one with Simmons and Fultz is net negative on offense from the three. But even the one with Fultz and Simmons has been a positive offensively on the court. So it's not as bad as people has, um, um, have been saying. Their best overall lineup accounting for, they only used this lineup 10 minutes this year. It was plus 63. Uh, Covington was a major piece of this lineup, so you take Covington out. But it's been Redick. Simmons, Muscala, which is a stretch four, not surprisingly so, and Embiid and Covington. So what it looks like, if you look at this lineup, basically, Simmons obviously is the point guard. You have a great shooter in Redick. You have a, a stretch four who can shoot the three in Muscala. And then you have Covington who um, can knock down the three as well. And then you have Embiid. So you got a little bit better spacing for Simmons to operate, and you have three shootings on the court. And then you can even put Embiid because B, Embiid can step out and shoot the three as well. So that seems to be successful. So if you plug in Butler, somebody who can spot up and shoot as well, somebody who can create, that's going to be a great lineup. I'm not somebody that's really worried about the whole Butler thing. Although I will say, man, what we just seen from Jimmy Butler was just incredible in Minnesota. No player, I mean, no player has been able to force their way out of a situation, at least I can remember, that's been reported like this. Now, maybe some of these things go on behind the scenes, and with social media, things get reported. They may not have gotten reported before, but the way Butler played this all out, I didn't agree with all his tactics, man. Um, I didn't agree with the fact that he made this all about just Wiggins and Towns not playing hard and all this kind of stuff, which was definitely part of it. But mainly, like I've been saying the whole time, it was about him getting the money, it looks like he has a wink-wink deal with Philly that he's going to sign long-term with them this coming summer. So they're going to offer him a bag. And it's going to be interesting because now they're basically saying they're going to lock their team up because you're going to have Butler. You're going to have to pay Simmons and Embiid going forward. So we're going to see how that maxes out. And then they're going to have to probably look at the luxury tax and all that. But we'll get to that later. But I like Butler coming in. I like the fact that Simmons and Embiid wants to win. Uh, Butler works hard. Never heard anything about Embiid and Simmons' work ethic, so it should work well. You get a defender back that's just as good as Covington, but he's a better offensive player. And he has the confidence of somebody that carries himself like a one. And long as he keeps his ego in check, doesn't come in trying to rock the boat too much, 
Philly could really be a dangerous team. They put themselves in great situation to tra- to challenge Boston, who is number one in defense. But I checked the other day. I want to say they're like 27th in offense. So they're still struggling to get it together. And they even came out recently as a team and realized that, hey, we got some things to work on if we want to live up to these championship aspirations that we have this season. Toronto lost to New Orleans. Hats off to New Orleans. That was a very impressive, very good win for them on the road last night. But Philly's going to be right there. Milwaukee looks serious. Uh, Eric Bledsoe is in a contract year. Chris Middleton's in a contract year. The coach Bud effect has been on full display with the offense, the spacing. Giannis is having an MVP type season. So we don't want to just push Milwaukee to the side now that, oh, I'm sorry, let's get some love to Brooke Lopez, who made nine threes the other night. He's been shooting the ball well. And I couldn't help but saying this, man, L.A., not quite sure why y'all let Lopez go. I mean, you got Chandler. He got the block the other night, so he's been playing well for them. But, man, I would have liked to have Lopez instead of McGee. Even though McGee's playing well, no shade. But Lopez and Chandler, Chandler the defender, Lopez better offensive player. He's a he's not a great defender, but he is a better defender uh, than McGee as far as having uh, a better understanding of positioning and rotations. But back to Philly. I like what we see, and I think Philly, with the addition of Butler, Philly, Boston, Toronto, and Milwaukee, I think at the top now, these teams are much better than the other teams in the West. We had the Carmelo saga unfolding on uh, over there in Houston, and I suggest I don't always get to do a podcast like twice a week now. I'm still doing one once a week, but follow me on Instagram, Zach Off The Glass uh, podcast. I want to say it's on Instagram. Zach Off The Glass Podcast. I do the videos, the TV, where I give my opinion on some some of the topics. So if I can't record a podcast, I'll go on there and do that. So make sure to check that out. Make sure to follow me and support that. But I still say Golden State, Denver looks good, Portland, and then you got the rest of the team. So I think top to bottom, the West is the better conference. But I think at the top, the East is, is the better conference now. Toronto, Boston, Philly, Milwaukee, man, those are really, really formidable teams. And with the addition of Butler, like I just said, Philly's going to be right there. I'm excited for this coming playoffs, barring some other injury. And, you know, shouts out to uh, Karis LeVert, man. Praying for you, brother. I know you had your bad luck with injuries. That was a tough injury last night. Brooklyn was one of those teams that have been playing well. LeVert was one of their centerpieces. Uh, D'Angelo Russell seems to have recovered from his stint in Los Angeles with the early struggles he's had. Sometimes better culture. Um, and I'm not saying the Lakers had a better culture, but I don't think they had a culture at that time playing for Byron Scott that was conducive for young players. And I can't state this enough, man. A lot of you old school guys in culture – Coaches, excuse me, you're going to have to realize that these players are just different and you're going to have to be able to manage them and develop them and you're going to have to be a little bit more hands-on than you might have been in the past. That's just the nature of the beast now, whether you like it or not. But Russell has been thriving under Coach Atkinson in Brooklyn. We hear about Sean Marks in the front front office. They made great moves. Spencer Dinwiddie's been playing well. Joe Harris has been playing well. They've been getting good minutes from on Damari Carroll, et cetera, et cetera. So Brooklyn was looking like one of those up-and-coming young teams. And a place now, because you're in New York, where a free agent, because they they can do some maneuvering, they could possibly have two max slots this summer. So to have him go down like that, terrible injury, uh, 
He's going to have to take a whole season to come back. Don't know the extent. Don't know if it was worse than Haywood's, but didn't look good. Looked like at minimal dislocation of the ankle. Um, so prayers up to that to uh, to Levert. Prayers to his family, and um, I'm hoping for a speedy recovery. So uh, wanted to take a quick break. We're going to close out on the other side, uh, talking about the the Golden State fiasco. So more to come from the Author Glass podcast. Hey there, are you enjoying the show? Well, make sure to go ahead and become a subscriber. Download the show. We're on all major listening platforms, Apple iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and of course, Spreaker.com is the host site. Make sure to go over to the website, www.offtheglasspodcast.com. Read the blogs, comment. I just put a blog up detailing the whole Carmelo Anthony situation. Make sure to follow me at Instagram at Zach the Off the Glass Podcast. I'm on Twitter, Zach off, at Off the Glass. The fan page on Facebook is The Off the Glass Podcast. Also, while you're on the website, go over and grab you a t shirt. They're priced now at $15. It's got three colors green, red, and blue. Support the podcast, support your boy. Those who bought shirts, much appreciated. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Off the Glass podcast. And before I wrap, I wanted to offer some thoughts on the Golden State Warriors. It was reported by ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski and Mark Spears that the situation between Draymond Green and Kevin Durant actually spilled over into the locker room after the game against the Clippers where they lost in overtime. The Clipper, uh, Golden State had a chance to get a game-winning shot off. Draymond took the rebound, elected to go coast-to-coast. He loses the ball, turns the ball over. Kevin Durant was visibly upset as he was um, demanding the ball. Draymond and him go back and forth. They had to be separated. Ironically, uh, DeMarcus Cousins was playing peacemaker, trying to calm Draymond down. Andre Iguodala stepped in to kind of calm down Kevin Durant. If you look at the play, Draymond did swoop in and kind of take the rebound from Durant. Durant was right there. Um, I much rather would have seen Durant with the ball instead of Draymond because obviously Durant could take the ball and go and make a play, um, but it didn't work out that way. Plus, we got to also remember Draymond is the de facto point guard a lot of times on that team. So it could have been a situation where if he would have, he just made a bad decision. I've seen times he takes the ball, pushes down the court, makes the right pass. Maybe Kevin Durant gets the shot and they win. But the fact that it boiled over to the locker room is kind of concerning from this standpoint to me. as Because usually as somebody that's played the game, you get into arguments with guys on the court. It might be heated. But usually you kind of leave it on the court. You don't really see it carry over to the locker room. Now, I know the media and everybody's going to kind of spin this into, well, Kevin Durant is definitely leaving now. He's tired of the Warriors. He can't get along with Draymond, this, that, and the third. And it was stated that other teammates was getting on Draymond as well, so it was a huge heated exchange. I will say this, just using perspective, does this mean Kevin Durant might leave? Possibly. But I think if you really honest and take an inventory of the whole situation, these guys are going for four championships in five years. They're going for a three-peat. It'll be a three-peat for Kevin Durant. They've played a lot of games. They spend a lot of time together. These guys spend more time together with during the season with their with each other than they do with their own families. Draymond, very intense guy. You know, that's how he's gotten to the league. He's not backing down from anybody. Kevin Durant can be said to possibly have been you know, maybe emotional in the past. 
He wears his heart and his emotions on the sleeve. Not a bad thing. I'm not saying he's soft. I'm just saying he's somebody that won't necessarily back down either. So you get two guys heated. They're going back and forth. Things can possibly get out of hand. But I will say this. If we're thinking that these guys are not reaching possibly a breaking point with each other, I think that's possible as well. I think everything is on the table with this situation. I think it's something that needs to be monitored going forward. It's going to be interesting to see if maybe any conduct detrimental to the team comes out of this. Are we talking suspensions, fines? We don't know. Um, we got to kind of monitor this situation. But it was a heated exchange. And according to Mark Spears and Adrian Wojnarowski, the organization is looking at how they're going to iron this situation out. Uh, must must uh, re- remember Steph Curry was injured. I didn't have a chance to watch the game last night. Um, so I don't know if he traveled with the team, but they lost overtime to a very scrappy, very good Clippers team, a very good Clippers team. And I did a podcast laying out their numbers. They're better than what people have been giving them credit for. So they're going to be right there battling through, trying to make the playoffs themselves. So I wouldn't necessarily overreact. We don't want to panic. Nothing good happens when you overreact and panic. But something to watch there in Golden State and keep our eyes on. So. That'll bring another episode of the Off the Glass podcast to a close. Thanks for joining your boy Z today. I enjoyed it. Had a lot to talk about. Kind of wanted to get medical. Offer a little bit more in-depth perspective on the fault situation. Hope you enjoyed the show. Again, make sure to download. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. That way you'll, you'll automatically be notified every time a new show is posted. Make sure to follow me on Instagram. Zach at the Off the Glass podcast. Um, follow me on Twitter, Zach at The Off The Glass. The website is www.theofftheglasspodcast.com. Again, head over there, read the blogs, grab you a T-shirt, make sure to support. Support all podcasting anywhere. It's a great time for podcasting. People are starting starting podcasts every day. So with no more being said, everybody enjoy the rest of their day. Be safe out there. Peace. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one-and-a-half cubic foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one one-and-a-half cubic foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii.